What is going on, Fantasy Alarm Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells, Ryan Hallam. It's time for another family meetup, the Family Times Podcast, here on FantasyAlarm.com. And guys, before we exchange pleasantries, I, I just got to say right off the bat, we talked about the pitch clock and we said, wait until this happens in season. Wait till it ends a game. And we didn't even have to wait till the season. Literally a day later, Braves Red Sox ends because of the pitch clock violation. Sells, this is is this gonna screw with the entire baseball format here? Um, you know, um I was listening to a replay of the uh, or watching a replay of the Diamondbacks uh Padres game, which ended 18 something in favor of the Padres. And the uh the announcers for San Diego were talking about how can we have this called in the ninth inning and whatever? And I'm like, oh, great. It's the Super Bowl freaking hold debate all over again. It's like, when is too late to call a penalty? It's a penalty. Like, it'll be ironed out. It'll be fine. I don't think it'll come into play in, you know, late in the season because everybody's going to have a full year of it to get used to it. Um, this is the first time a lot of major leaguers are experiencing pitch clocks. If the if their rookies coming up, they've had it in the minor leagues for a couple of years. But if guys who are in the majors who are all vets, like Manny Machado, got called for the first pitch clock violation in spring training, very first at bat of spring training, wasn't looking at the pitcher with eight seconds to go and got called for a strike. Um, <laughs> I think it'll be fine. I don't think it's going to really mess with anything more than a ghost runner. It's second base in the 10th inning does. Um, but I do have to say, I love the speed of the game that it's producing. Like, the Nats beat the Astros 3-2 in a spring training game on, what, Tuesday? Sunday? On Sunday. Two hours and seven minutes. I'm fine with that. That's fantastic. Like, you get runs, you get offense, it's quick. There was a 6-5 game, took two hours and 29 minutes. Perfectly fine. I don't need a three-and-a-half-hour 6-5 game. I just don't. I, I think I'm with Matt. I'm like, you got, you know, we have a month, you know, a little bit more than a month. Figure it out. I mean, you're professionals. Uh, you know, just, it's not, I don't think it's that much to ask. Uh, yeah, it'll be a little bit of a, of a, you know, adjustment. But if you really lose a game because you couldn't get your ass in the box in time, you deserve it. I mean, the, the clock is right there. You can see it. You know, you yeah. got if you can't, get, you can't, you know, stop with your batting gloves or wiggle your bat or whatever the hell you're doing fast enough that you know. I mean, it's not like they're just bringing it on them. You know, game one that we have all spring training to get used to it. So. Get used to it. Everyone, not to mention, change. if if there's a guy on base, you have an extra five seconds to get ready. Yeah. Things so, change at work all the time. We have things do. that change at work all the time. You just, you know, you have to adjust to it. That's all. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, in the NBA years ago, they tried, they messed, messed with the basketball a little bit. They changed it. Different grip on the ball. Can you imagine that? Someone accustomed to feels for probably over a decade, certain feels on the ball, and now, they have to recalibrate just like that. They did that last year for the pitchers with no sticky stuff. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> the pitchers had to get used to it, and they got used to it. By the way, Sells, 
Did I just see that you had a shirt that literally just says Trey Turner is fast? Yes, I got it from a company called Obvious Shirts. They're based in Chicago. A lot of their stuff is Cubs related, but they do have just general um, baseball shirts and baseball sayings, and they are remarkably comfortable shirts. Um, so, yes, this one just says Trey Turner is fast. It's red because when I got it, he was actually a national. Now the red works again because he's <laughs> with the Phillies, though it's a different shade of red. Um, but, yes, they are. Um, they had, by the way, I don't know if they still do, but they had. Do you remember the um, the Snickers commercial or the, uh, the, the peanut butter? No, it was Sprinkles. The peanut butter, like the... Um, they made the rap about the ice cream. I don't remember that. Oh, the, the commercial. Snickers ice cream bar? No, it was not Snickers. It says um, Sprinkles, but it's the... There's the mom in the kitchen that's making oh, ice cream oh, and then... Oh, lots of chocolate, lots of chocolate. Lots, the, the, the wrap off, whoop, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can't believe, Ryan, I just got that, by the way. They had, uh, I was, they had a shirt with, with the lyrics to that made and obvious shirts sold it so they sell some pretty they sell some pretty fun uh pretty fun shirts what's the most you're willing to pay for him in an auction trey turner not the shirt trey turner <laughs> depends on budget are we talking standard 260 yes. yes he should be the most expensive guy that comes off the board because it, it'll be interesting because he should be like i i don't i don't know that there's a debate about that is that how you feel in snake drafts as well? No debate. I think you should be the clear number one pick. Colby and I wow. both said it that there's like if you look at NFBC right now, there's like nine different guys that have gone number one. Uh, I think it's Trey Turner, and I don't even think it's really all that shocking. I think he's going to have a monster season. So, do you think there's any chance he runs a little less after signing a big contract and not? necessarily on a team that and uh, you know they haven't had a guy of his ilk but do you think you know, not necessarily a team that runs a ton now that the Phillies have invested all this money and he's got to be getting close to 30 is there any chance maybe you see a little down down obviously not if you think he's consensus number no I don't for a couple of reasons one he's shown the only injury he's had in the last few years was him trying to bunt and he broke his pinky because he forgot the little league rules on how to bunt and where to place your hands I don't think that's going to be a problem. Two, the pickoff rule means that on the third go, he's just going to go, and there's a technically a shorter baseline by six inches because the bases are three inches bigger in each direction. Um, and Kevin Long is the Phillies hitting coach. He's the one that fixed Trey Turner. Remember the huge year that Trey Turner had for the Nationals in, like, 2019? It's because Kevin Long was there. He likes Kevin Long so much that he used Kevin Long's hitting program over the offseason when he was a Dodger and Kevin Long was coaching for the Phillies. Like, Kevin Long has called him his dude, referring to Trey Turner. So I think the park plays in his favor. He's back to the NL East, which he's familiar with from obviously coming up with the Nats. Um, he's with a team with a few former teammates of his, like Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, when he gets healthy, um, whatnot. I don't, I think the steals are going to be fine. I think we're going to see quite a bit of power and the average is going to be there. So, and Philly scores a lot of runs. 
So I I I think he's going to have a monster season. I have not been in the position yet to draft number one. I feel like I've gone back and forth between Acuna, between Turner. It's really actually been those two. I'm trying to make myself love Julio Rodriguez a little bit more. And I do it at, at one. <laughs> we've seen him go at one. We have, but I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't take him one. Well, here's because uh, I just took him two in TGFBI. So the batting average is not that much lower than Turner. Uh, probably more home runs, almost as many stolen bases. 22 years old, kill, still could be getting better. Any Outside of the ballpark factor, I don't think any of that is incorrect. I think he's right there. No, I'm I'm with you. My only concern is, is there regression from a monster rookie season? Could be. Or he could still be improving. He could. But I think that the ceiling and floor, like the ceiling is higher for Turner and the floor is the same. Whereas I'm not sure you can say that about Julio. Like, I love Julio. I think he's a first round pick. You could clearly take him in the top five. I'm just not sold on him going number one overall. The only other guy I think you can make an argument for number one overall, and it depends on how you get to use him as Shohei Otani. Mm. If you're in a daily moves league, you can make the argument that Shohei Otani should be the number one pick. And I love him, and I had him last year, and I had him in, I think it was labor, where you could use him however you wanted but you almost always use him as a hitter, like because he's only going to pitch once a week. So it's not like you ever get that two-start pitching week out of him. And he's such a dynamic hitter that I feel like you almost don't get the benefit of him going two ways because you it, you can only use one or the other. So it's and I also so do love him. And I also think he, <laughs> I also think he's a first-round pick. I, I my head is going like, nuts. I'm sorry. That's fine. I, I almost feel like it's almost ruined by the fact that you have to choose how to use them. I mean, what about some of these other guys? I mean, you're right. It's a lot of players we've seen on the NFBC boards going number one overall. What about someone like an Aaron Judge? Got his bag? Are you out on him, Sells? I'm not out on him. I'm just not taking him number. I'm not paying the number one overall pick for a guy coming off his absolute ceiling of a season. Yep. There is no way he outperforms last year there's no way i'm sorry the last time a yankee contended for the triple crown was freaking mickey mantle like there's there's no way he got paid congratulations we don't have him getting used to a new team he's staying in new york but like even and, and colby conway and i debated this on on the mlb pod and i was like well let's put it this way if he goes back to his remarkable rookie season right? 51 homers or 50 homers, whatever it was. And like 15 steals and let's say a 290 average. That's first round. Is it number one overall? I, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm not, I just don't see, you're not getting upside. You're just hoping that he comes close to what he did last year. And that's a bad way to draft at number one. I, I completely agree, 100%. Do you think maybe people think, because whenever I listen to I mean, different analysts talk about fantasy baseball heading into the draft season, a lot of what I'm hearing is that the shortstop position, pretty hefty with depth. 
Do you think maybe people use that as justification to not take Trey Turner first overall? Well, I will say, because I just made this decision an hour ago, that was the reason I went with Rodriguez over Turner, was the shortstop. I mean, there's six, seven more guys that I feel pretty good about. And in a lot of these leagues, if you're in a three outfield league, then I think that that doesn't come into play. But if you're in a five outfield league, which a lot of you know the industry drafts and the high stakes drafts all are, then I think the position comes a little more into play. Okay, here if if I'm in a five outfield league, which I am in a few different ones, I'm still taking Kyle Tucker over Aaron Judge. Oh, we're talking Turner and Julio Rodriguez. I mean, I would take in a five outfield league. I don't, I'd still go. I'd if the choice is between Turner and Julio Rodriguez, I'm still going with Trey Turner. I don't think there's anything wrong with the decision. I, I think it's a very wise and probably safer decision. To be because honest. I, <laughs> I think the elite shortstops are still better than a bunch of the elite outfielders. I think that that's how I'm that's how I'm viewing it. Because um, the other thing is, you could still draft two shortstops because a lot of them have middle infield short and second right mm-hmm. so you know you can still draft two shortstops and in that case you're comparing two shortstops against three outfielders or two shortstops against five outfielders it's a little bit uh a little bit different of a discussion but if we're talking straight up outfielders i would take kyle tucker as the first outfielder off the board we just saw kyle tucker go second overall in the labor mix draft, one of our industry drafts that, that took place too. So it's very interesting. Definitely opened a lot of eyes too regarding. I mean, the guy without trying last year went 30 25 and his batting average was sapped because of the, the shift. He was way better again against no no shift than he was against the shift. And guess what happens? There's no shift this year. Only and there's get more chances to steal. Guy could go 30 30 and hit. Uh, at least 280. So with these auctions coming up, with our industry auctions coming up, labor, tout wars, and everything like that, Ryan Hallam's actually going to be participating in said auctions right here. For football, I feel like I've got the auction strategy down pat when it comes to how to work the room a little bit, what positions to not mess around with. But with baseball, it's a bit different. More positions to fill. So when it comes to the aggressiveness, it's kind of hard to get people to spend more, I feel like, when it comes to baseball, because the positions are so widespread. And for those that are in bidding wars, especially for top players that are going for way over what their projected budget for the player is, they'll just think that, oh, well, I'll just go and excel at another position and spend big there, maybe even save some value. I mean, how does auction strategy differ in fantasy baseball than fantasy football? I mean, I don't think it's a lot. I mean, I, you know, in fantasy baseball, to me, it's just the lower dollar, like the dollar days or the $2 guys. It just lasts longer. Like, I still feel like the top kind of, it's a little less, obviously, because football, what do you have, like 15, 16 players to fill, and baseball is like 29. Uh, you definitely have to be a little more mindful of bidding wars. You have to be a little more mindful. I know there's some people who, like, come up with a, a – budget for each position like well i'm using this much a catcher and this much and i've never been that kind of person like snake drafts auction drafts like 
I'm the worst. Like, I don't have strategies. I go in and just, like, see how things break out, and that's kind of... Like, last year, I, both of them, I didn't expect to come out and, and spend as much as I did in the beginning, but I just kept thinking I saw value, so I just kept spending until I couldn't anymore. Uh, and, you know, I did well in tout. I didn't do very well in labor. Um, but probably... And you kind of helped me break that mold, Fancy, of, of you know... Don't be don't be shy off the bat. You know, there's there's some people right, who are man. not going to go for like the first three or four guys or five guys they because warm they warm up, dude. You show yeah. up warmed up already. Guess what? The first four or five guys are probably the first four or five top guys in the league. So, uh, you know, there's always a person or two who's like, oh, well, I'll save my money for the middle, and and that's great too. And you can always outbid a few people, but then you're spending thirteen dollars on a mid level guy or you know twenty dollars because you can. Um, but to me, there's, there's, you know, I don't want to say stars and scrubs is always, you know, a kind of a buzzword, uh, strategy, but I think it's just being smart. So yeah, I think you were, you know, bullying people with going to the, the next level, like the, from 18 to 20, cause psychologically it's different, you know, you spending your money early. Uh, I have still always, and I'm sure no one that I'm auctioning with is listening. Um, I don't nominate people I want for maybe the first 10 or 12 turns around. I want to make other people spend money so they have less when it's somebody I want. So you'll almost never see me nominate someone I want until I'm But then you switch it up after that. You kind of start sneaking in players that you want because for those that feel, and there are some that are very great at multitasking that have done this for a long time, that will start to track who's putting players out and then bidding on those players versus who's just throwing players out there to get money off the board and you can get found out pretty quickly. Now there's only, that's why in in football, it's so much more critical and it's easier to track in football, fewer positions and everything. But with baseball where it's harder to track, you don't want to be solely focused on what your adversary is doing in your leagues. But at the same time, you do want to have the awareness of who exactly is being bought because they want versus price and Who's actually putting players out there that wants those players so you can get them to spend up a little bit more? Yeah, I would say that baseball auctions are similar enough to football where if you're good at a football auction, you should be able to use similar tactics in a baseball auction. However, that being said, there are more positions you have to care about in baseball. There just are. Like in football, you're spending big on wide receiver and running back, and the rest of it you can piecemeal it together with a bunch of dollar day dudes, you know, baseball, that's not going to work, right? Every position you're going to have a dude that can at least produce a decent amount to compete, right? You can't really punt a position like, I mean, you can, I guess in single catcher leagues, you can probably get away with punting catcher in two catcher leagues. You're going to need at least one solid catcher. Um, but there's also a lot more stats and ways to score in fantasy baseball than you have to really be concerned with in fantasy football. Because, uh, you know, Roto, you're, you got to care about five categories for hitters, five for pitchers for standard leagues. And there's six by six Rotos. I've seen people playing in 10 by 10 Rotos. That's insane. Um, you know, at some point, stats start to cancel each other out. <laughs> and you're like, you know, I saw one league where they went 10 by 10 Roto and they went 
stolen bases and net stolen bases. I'm like, well, you're double counting things. Like, that's pretty stupid. Um, but I will say, in an effort to get people to spend up, and again, top guys in baseball are not going to go for the same price tag. The top guys in football, because the rosters are shallower in football, you have the same budget, generally speaking, between football and baseball auctions. Um, but if you want to get guys to spend up, nominate a guy from a shallow position. So this year, catcher is reasonably shallow, although I would argue it's deeper than it has been the last several years. Uh, first base is remarkably shallow. Second base is like an absolute boondoggle if you get past the top like four dudes like it is so shallow it's ridiculous so let me ask you this cells let me stop you right there so let's just say that i'm giving the first nomination in a fantasy baseball auction let's just say two catcher league should i throw a real muto out there yeah get money off the board right i mean that's like it's going to take more research for you to do that strategy because you're going to have to be comfortable with the quote-unquote lower-tier guys. But at some point, past the top, I would say, four or five catchers, they're all roughly the same, right? So if you're not getting one of the top four or five catchers, you're getting guys that are roughly the same as everybody else there. So to clear money off the board, because a lot of people go in panicked about, ooh, I got to get myself a catcher. And if you throw Rio Muto out there, they're like, ooh, hey, thanks for that. And everybody's got fresh amounts of money he'll go for a little bit more than he probably should or if it's the opening bid or if it's the first player that's put on the board then maybe people are like ha i see what you're doing i'm gonna wait and then you get him at a little bit of a cheaper right. value one of two things is gonna happen you're either gonna clear more money off the board than you thought you were or you're gonna get the top catcher for a value that you didn't think you were gonna get so there's basically no losing unless you get caught trying to price, price check people <laughs> and, and value regulate, and then you wind up spending more money than you should on a guy you didn't necessarily want in the first place. If you are an auction bully, you have to be ready to take a few yep. on the chin. You have to be ready to get someone at a stupid price because you're trying to be that person. You're trying to play this kind of offense when you can just play the pass line if this were a game of craps. You want to make big moves, though then you're going to get caught a few times. It's going to happen. The bidding, even if you're going back and forth, back and forth, that could stop quickly. You know what I do? If I'm in a very big back and forth with someone in an auction and it's going at a very quick pace and I still want the player, slow down the pace. Slow down the pace. Going back and forth. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, wait seven seconds. Because all of a sudden, that other person starts to think a little bit. You want to get them thinking. You want to get them off that momentum drive. Well, who should I really be going that way? I could talk auction strategy and right. psychology all day long. Here's the other thing. There's a there's and and the person in my league I'm talking about, if she listens to this, great. If not, I'm pretty sure she knows we can she has a tell. Okay. She will immediately bid you up if it's a player that she wants. If it's one she's so-so about, she sits there and waits for it to get called the two right before it gets gaveled. She'll jump it, whatever. But if it's a player she really wants, she upbids as soon as you get the words out of your face that you want to upbid it. So it's like, okay, how far can I push you? Because, and if it's a player that's on one of her, that's on her favorite team, budget's out the window, man. You can make her pay 
way too much for like her favorite team's the Orioles. Right? So anytime an Oriole comes up, she'll bid a lot for a guy that's probably okay. Right? There's some good dudes yeah, on the Orioles. That's pretty much describing the Orioles for the most part <laughs> over the last There's some impressive years. guys that are coming up on the Orioles. They're going to be a threat here for about the next Jay five Gibbs years. isn't coming, all right? They're not coming yet, but like Austin Hayes, right? He's solid. Not great. He's going to hit about 250 with about 20 homers, okay? You can get her to go a few bucks above what he should go for simply because she enjoys watching the Orioles. And she I'd, likes I'd, having... I'd rather spend $8 on crab fries at Camden Yards <laughs> than on most of this Orioles team, I feel like, at this point here. And those well, fair, fries... but I'm just saying that's yes. part of the, like, learn. If you're in the same league every year, learn the tells because everybody has a tell. And I have tells. I haven't figured out what they are. If I did, I would change them. But there are times I get bit up on a guy and and – and whatnot. So just learn the tells and then you can trap people into spending more money than they should on guys that are okay. And separate your Oreos like Teddy KGB. Ah, yes. Yes. He did <laughs> in his money. Love rounders. Let's go to the family table. Man, rounders. Oh, by the way, you know what? I'm bringing to the family table. I'm going to bring something to the family table. So what sport what I mean, Matt Sells covers a lot of sports here, but what's Matt Sells mainly known for, Ryan, in the fantasy sports industry? NASCAR. Right. Guess what movie Matt Sells hasn't seen? Talladega Nights. Like, dude, what? What? What's the matter with you, dude? Like, come on. I know you're very. So, Days of Thunder. Like, what? Like, okay, great. I don't <laughs> care about that. That's not Talladega Nights. It's shake and bake. It's so much fun. It's goofy. It's a solid movie, man. I just, I'm shocked. I'm just shocked. That's like me not seeing Space Jam. I, I come on, man. Come on. That's like me not seeing White Men Can't Jump. You know, it's, it's like that's, that's, the thing, man, I just when you said that to me on the playbook on Better Sports Network, I almost had to excuse myself <laughs> because I was just so shocked and my brain just went to mush after that. So here's what I'm bringing to the table. Matt Sells, you need to go see Talladega Nights, OK, and you need to see it soon after you're you're swimming in all your money that you win with your DFS NASCAR playbooks on FantasyAlarm.com podcast Saturday, by the way. That, that comes out, you and Dan Malin. Then at the night, little nightcap, get yourself one of those crafty beers that you like so much, and then watch Talladega Nights. It's an hour, probably 35, well worth it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Ryan? <laughs> I mean, I've, uh, yeah, 100%. I back that up. I've seen that uh, uh, several, several times. Anything with Will Ferrell is usually uh, a go for me, but. Uh... Yeah, if you're this is your specialty, Matt, you really got to go see it. I am going basically every baseball movie ever made. That doesn't that doesn't excuse you from this one. You have homework before next before the next episode. You should see Talladega Nights. It's not was, happening, Ryan. We might as well give him the failing grade now. What are you bringing oh. to the table? Oh, I'm sitting in New York bracing for a snowstorm uh, coming later today and tomorrow. Uh, and as it's almost March 1st, I'm putting out in the world that this is going to be the last one. It's been a pretty easy winter. I can't complain too much. We're going to probably get half a foot or more, but this is, uh, 
This is them putting out the the warm weather juju today. That this is uh, this is the end. It's almost March, for God's sakes. Let's end this seasonal depression and all that crap, and let's get some sunshine. Yeah, no snow. Snow stinks. It's awful. Snow. Then you got to go shovel it and everything. Your dog won't make in the snow because it's too cold for the bottom right there. So no snow here. Dells, what are you bringing to the table? What I'm bringing to the table is just again how much I love the pitch clock and the different rules in baseball, man. Like. I'm rejuvenated about this. Like, it's phenomenal to sit there. Like, last night I was working on uh, my glorious custom-made draft spreadsheet for a draft that I'm not even attending. I'm sending my dad as my proxy for my home league because I can't make the draft. Um, And for those of you that are laughing, my dad's won this league uh, three times and commissioned it for 20 years. So he knows what he's doing. It's basically having an ace in the hole with him as my proxy. But I was sitting there watching spring training games and doing this, and the flow of the game was so great, I didn't even mind the commercial breaks happening. (laughs) Like, it was fantastic. They played, like, I have not seen a spring training game go past two hours and 45 minutes. You can't say that about basically any regular season game last year except for the ones that were no hitters or were one nothing, or had 97 strikeouts or whatnot. In fact, the had the Nats-Astros game not gone to extras, it would have been over in less than two hours. Wow. The last time I think I heard that was when Mark Burley was pitching and he decided to do a speed run on a nine-inning game. So congrats to baseball now if only they could fix that damn blackout rule so that more fans could actually see the games. Um, That would be great. But I implore you if you gave up on baseball because it was too slow or whatever, just watch in the new pitch clock era. I think it's fantastic. Um, Yeah, it's great. Sitting there watching, now I can get like three baseball games in a night and not have to worry about it because they're going so dang fast. He's Matt Sells. Give him a follow on Twitter at the Sellsman. Ryan Hallam. Give him a follow at Fighting Chance. I'm at Fence D Sports. Get your free fantasy baseball draft guide if you haven't gotten it yet. Fantasyalarm.com slash MLB draft guide. And as we always say, family that sticks together wins together. <laughs>